everyone, you're listening to the Tea with Tanya podcast, and I'm your host, Tanya Ambrose. I'm a public health professional by day and your average tea-loving millennial and content creator by night. My goal for this podcast is to share public health stories, self-love and wellness tips, to educate and empower, and to promote positive living. This podcast is here to serve you. Join me in the tea tasting room to see what I have brewing for you. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Tea with Tanya podcast. I am back with another special guest. I know you guys are tired of hearing me say, oh, this is a special guest, this person, but <laughs> all my guests are usually special because when they take time out of the day to come on my podcast, that that's, that, that's special to me. So I'm happy to have today's guest. By the time you get to this episode, you'll see what we're talking about, childbirth education and breastfeeding. And I've been, I reached out to this guest since last year, 2021, about her being the guest. And of course, you know, life happens. We didn't make it work then, but she's here today. And I am so, so happy to have her. Funny story before I let her introduce herself. I think a few weeks ago, I posted on Twitter, I'm looking for somebody who does um, breastfeeding consultant or childbirth education. And to be honest, at least three to four people replied mentioning Erica. I was like, oh my God, why didn't I think of her? What I have on my Instagram, and we've actually been talking. I never told her this, so this is the first time you're hearing this, Erica. But um, yeah, I was like, wait, at least four people responded, recommending Erica. And I was like, wow, that should have been my first thought. But you know what? Yeah. Nevertheless, that speaks to how great she is, that people on Twitter, because I don't think, are you on Twitter, Erica? I'm not. Right. That's, <laughs> so to have people on Twitter recommend you, that's that's really um a good thing. So thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And tell the people a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Erica Glaze. I'm based in Phoenix, and I am a mama, childbirth educator, um, currently a Pathway 3 mentee at the Arizona Breastfeeding Center, trying to become a lactation consultant so we have more representation in the field um, for our families. All right, so we're going to tackle childbirth education first, and then I want to get into breastfeeding because that's something that I'm trying to do as well. How important is childbirth education? is to, you know, expecting families, parents, and even to us general public who may not be pregnant yet, but how important is childbirth education? Yeah, so I think childbirth education is critical, not just because I teach it and offer the classes, but I think it can really help parents advocate for themselves because that's my goal. I can't teach you how to birth, like your body knows how to birth, and Mm -hmm. I want you to be confident in that. But I also want you to have information depending on what your birth setting is too. I want you to have information about how to advocate for yourself if questions are coming up, what can you ask your care provider so you can under better understand like the treatment and care that you're receiving. Because they're going to have a lot of information that they might be throwing out at you. And you want to make sure that you understand everything because you don't want to find yourself in a situation um, where things are just happening to you and you don't really understand why. You know, that that is so true. And I learned that when my sister was having my first sneeze. I was like, you know what? Wow. We hear about, oh, go to these classes. Well, we never really did because back then I feel like they weren't, it wasn't as, I don't want to say important, but it wasn't pushed you know, mm-hmm. especially for African-Americans. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you should you should invest in a childbirth education class. Or it wasn't maybe affordable for some people right. to even attend a childbirth education class. So what got you into childbirth education? Like what random day you were sitting there? Oh, <laughs> let me do this. Like what, what was it? Right. 
it was my son. So after I had him, I was like, okay, I, I need to do this work more. Because I have been working with moms before through WIC as a nutritionist, um, doing breastfeeding counseling. But then after having him going through my own experience, having a traumatic birth, having difficulty breastfeeding, and then going out and trying to find providers that look like me that can help me, I realized there was not a lot of us out there. And so Uh I really thought I need to be what I was looking for in the community at that time. Okay. So as far as investing in child education, because like I mentioned earlier, you know, back then, especially as a Black woman, you know, we weren't really taught, oh yeah, you should attend a child education class, just, you know, show up and do Mm -hmm you know, give birth more right. or less. And now it's becoming more popular and it's more affordable or people can do it. So what what goes into, why is, should someone listening to us now say, oh, you know what, okay, I'm expecting a child or I'm planning on having a child. Why should I invest in my, in you know, attending child education classes? Is it for me? Should it just be the mom only? Should it be a family, you know, a fear? Right. Why? So what makes it more worthwhile? So I think it'll build your confidence. We know your body knows how to birth, but knowing like actually what's happening when you have contractions, what are those sensations, what's happening in your body, that can build your confidence in the birthing process. And I always encourage support people to come because they're right there with the mother, the birthing parent, helping them through those contractions, helping them through that journey. And so I always say, bring the support people. Like they need to be there because they're going to be your coach. I won't be there with you. Um, if you have like doula support, get a doula, hire a doula to be there with you. Um, Cause you need that support when things get a little bit intense, they can be there to help you and to advocate for you. So I always say, come get the knowledge, put it in your toolkit and then use it when you need to. I agree. So I know you do offer chiber education classes. So for anyone listening, of course, guys, if you're in Phoenix or even virtual, I'm sure she'll, you know, we'll put that in the show notes for sure. She'll be able to help you. But what can one expect, again, from a chiber education class? Because yes, I'm going to come and get the tools and the resources and, you know, to know what to do during that time. But what does a typical, or let's say your, your chiber education class, what does it entail? So we without, will give, talk without about, giving away too much because you know I want people to right. tell me you know just a little bit just enough. <laughs> oh, we will talk about um, the process of labor. You might hear stages and phases. So we'll talk about like what that actually looks like. What does that mean? We will talk about labor positions. That's probably one of my favorite parts of the class to teach. Um, I don't think a lot of uh, parents really know like how amazing the pelvis is and how important that is when you're in labor. So I love to talk about positions you can do to create space for baby to move through the body. Um, And then we'll also talk about comfort measures. And I tell everyone, you can take my class if you are having a medicated birth. You can take my class if you're having a non-medicated birth. Like whatever path you choose, I'll have resources for you. Sounds good. So now, as far as chiber education, a part of that, because when I was doing my doula training, we did a chiber education class, of course, and then we did a breastfeeding, you know, class as well, because a part of being a doula, you know, we should be knowledgeable about these Mm -hmm. different things. So as we transition into breastfeeding, I know you're currently, you know, training to become a certified lactation consultant. So, you know... I'll just share, I won't say a personal story because guys, I don't have kids yet, but I've seen, you know, you see, you hear things. And I remember mm-hmm. one time when I was living in um, New York, even when I was living back home in Antigua, you know, you see people, they're breastfeeding their, 
their children. Like it's it's just normal. Whether right. they're covered up, whatever it is, that's just the way her baby her baby eats, you know. So that's I was never one to be grossed or offended by mm-hmm. seeing mom, you know, feeding their children. I mean, if when you think about it, if you you pass a particular animal, they're gonna be feeding their their, their chickens right. or whatever. <laughs> they're not caring if we're driving past them or walking, <laughs> you know, alongside yeah. them. So you know, yeah. but when you hear all the different controversy, oh, you know, moms they all in public. It's scaring my child. You know, I guess some people, I would say, sexualize, you know, breastfeeding. And that's, again, a conversation that we're still having even even in 2022. So for moms listening, you know, what are the benefits of breastfeeding? Because I will come up to another question about breastfeeding formula. But what are the benefits of breastfeeding for moms who don't know? Because some people, believe it or not, don't know that they should breastfeed. Things that I'm thinking, okay, yeah, you know, you guys, you know, that should be normal. That should be the common thing to do. Many people are not educated or they just don't know. So what are the benefits of breastfeeding? Yeah, so breastfeeding is mutually beneficial. It's beneficial for the mother. It's beneficial for a baby. For mom, one of the big thing one of the big things I like to talk about is that after birth, it helps that uterus contract and mm-hmm. go back down. So that's really key. It, it's also going to help reduce risk of certain types of cancers. Um, and we also know that... Um, when moms and baby are breastfeeding, babies at the breast, you're passing messages to each other. So you're uh-huh. developing. So let's say if you were sick, your body's developing antibodies and you're going to be passing that to your baby. And so that's a connection that you have. Your breast milk is made specifically for your baby. It's tailor made. Um, it's a complete food. I like to tell parents it has uh-huh. everything your baby needs to grow and develop that first year of life. Um, And then when your baby's at the breast too, they are getting that developmental benefit. So a lot of times you'll see baby like looking up at their mom when they're breastfeeding. Uh So that eye development is happening there. Um, And then when baby's breastfeeding in that early stage, that colostrum is coating the lining of their stomach and protecting them from different diseases. Um, There's just like an endless list really of benefits. benefits. So how does one you know, a mom get a good latch. Cause I've seen, you know, parents, they struggle about, oh, my baby's not latching properly. And then that in turn, you know, causes mom to stress. And then that can, you know, mm-hmm. cause another, another way of different issues among that. So how can one, again, cause like I said, I've seen the hospitals or the hospital birth, you know, the education is not the, oh, you know, put baby on booby. Right. And then that's just, there's no like, oh, you know, pull the head this way make sure the nipple is this way. So how can right. one get a good latch just from listening to us and, you know, oh, hey, I'm struggling with breastfeeding. How can they get their baby to have like a good latch? So the one thing I like to uh, remind parents of that, what looks like a good latch from the outside may not feel like a good latch on the Uh. inside. So if you latch your baby and somebody's like, oh, it looks so good, but it doesn't feel good, then we need to unlatch and try it again. So to get a good deep latch, I always encourage to have baby rolled in as close as possible, um, tummy to tummy with you, rolled in completely. I would also make sure that baby has a wide open mouth. So we don't want baby to kind of slurp you in like a straw. We want that oh. mouth open wide because we want to create vacuum suction. So we need that mouth open wide. And then start with baby's nose to nipple. So that when baby comes in, they're hitting the breast tissue with their chin first. Because babies, when they breastfeed, they're looking for positive pressure to the chin. And then when the nipple hits the palate, they're looking for that pressure there to know to start oh. sucking. And so if we can help get them positioned right and get them those cues that they're looking for, that can help get them a deep latch. 
And then the other thing I like to say is try not to put your hand behind baby's head. A lot of time we're trying to get them yes. like, come on, get in here <laughs> put them into the breast. And if you think about it, if you're eating and somebody put their hand on the back of your head, you would push back because oh. that's your natural reflex to kind of push back against that. And so sometimes our babies aren't refusing. They're just like, let go of my head so I can move my head back as I'm eating. You know, that is interesting because I, I never thought about it that way. And that's crazy. I never thought about <laughs> it that way. You know, the things, the things that we think about, that's why we have people like you, you know, because <laughs> some mom may think, oh, yeah, he's on the boob or he or she's on the boob. But then, oh, they're getting fed, but then they not may not be comfortable. And then that's also, right. you know, creates an issue for baby. So mm-hmm. what are some common mistakes that we on this aspect of breastfeeding? What are some common mistakes, you know, mom may have as it relates to breastfeeding? Like, what do you see when you, you know, help your clients? Yeah, I think the biggest one is not um, not knowing when to pump Um. and pumping doesn't have to be a part of everyone's journey. Um, There's definitely a place for it. But I often see when parents are having trouble in the beginning and baby's not latching or removing milk, they get mixed messages like, do I just keep trying? Is it going to get better? And if baby isn't latching and removing that milk, then we want to put a pump on as soon as possible. Because the key to making milk is moving milk. So the Uh more we move milk, the more the body will make it. So if you can get a pump on in those early days when baby's not doing that work for themselves, that will help maintain your milk supply. Okay. Now that you talk about milk supply, what can one do? Again, what are some helpful tips that we can do if, let's say, mom have like an oversupply and undersupply? Because I know sometimes there are moms who, you know, we expect that as soon as we give birth, like the very next second, milk should be flowing consistently and in abundance. And that's not the case. Again, everybody's breastfeeding journey is different. Mm -hmm. So what are some helpful tips for mom who may have, may not have enough supply or the right amount of supply in the beginning or even throughout the journey and those who have like an oversupply? Cause that, I didn't even know that was a thing until my sister gave birth almost 12 years ago. I'm like, girl, you can open a factory here. Like, (laughs) like, I I said, you should, you can just open a factory. And that's been her case with all three of her kids. Like she had like, an abundance of breast milk, you know, so she ended up donating some, but what are some tips if you have an oversupply or undersupply of breast milk? Honestly, my biggest tip is to seek help from a breastfeeding counselor or breastfeeding consultant. Um, Because the thing with, let's say you have an undersupply, sometimes I'll see on different, you know, mom groups or different groups that I'm in on social media, they'll be like, oh, just put baby to the breast. And mom is saying like, my milk supply is low. And so just putting baby to the breast may not be the solution. Like there may be some underlying issues, like there may be a hormonal issue. There may be an issue with like insufficient glandular tissue. And so seeing someone and having a consultation can help you figure out like what is going on for you and your body. And then also, if you have an oversupply, there are different things that we can do to kind of help you manage that, especially if you want to lower that supply. There are different things that we can do with frequency of feedings um, to kind of help you manage that and feel comfortable, too, throughout your breastfeeding journey. Right. And how can one avoid clogged duct? Because that's something that I see that's very common among from what I've seen in social media. So how can we, you know, breastfeeding mom avoid having clogged duct? So the first thing I would say, make sure you're moving milk 
move, um, moving that milk regularly and frequently. So either a baby to the breast, removing that milk, or you pumping if baby's not able to do that, or if you choose to exclusively pump. That was kind of my journey with my son, just making sure that we remove that milk so it doesn't back up and get clogged in the ducts because that's what a plug duct is, and it's um, that obstruction of milk. The other thing, too, check out the clothes you're wearing. Hopefully it's not too tight. We don't want anything too tight. I see a lot of times like sports bras, they can be very restricting. And if you're putting pressure anywhere on the breast and anywhere on those ducts, you can potentially get a plug duct there if you're doing that repeatedly. Um, I've also seen it sometimes when moms sleep on a certain side. So if they're always putting pressure on like the right side of their breast that can create potentially an area for obstruction too. Okay. And as far as feeding schedules, because, you know, you're told, oh, feed the baby every two hours. And then if baby's sleeping, you should be pumping, you know, to keep the the flow going. If you're able to tell us, because, you know, sometimes back in my younger days when I was naive, if a baby cries, oh, they're just hungry. They need a bottle or they need <laughs> the breast. Put them on the breast and give them a bottle. But how can one if you're able to answer, distinguish the different types of cry. Because I feel like for me, but not that I know, obviously I know more now, but back then I'm like, oh, they're hungry. We right. just automatically think that babies are always hungry when they cry. Sometimes they're just crying because they need to cry. Like we cry, we need a good cry sometimes. Right, exactly. adults, you know. Yes. But how, how can a mom distinguish if baby, I mean, I don't know if that question even, anyway, I'll still ask yeah. you. How can a mom, you know, distinguish, okay, not my baby's crying. Because sometimes, you know, we feed them every two hours, but then within that two hour time frame. So let's be honest, sometimes, you know, okay, let me eat. I'm going to give myself two hours to eat. And then like 10 right. minutes later, I'm, I'm snacking on something. That's, you know, so how can they <laughs> tell if the baby's crying because they want more food or is this another cry? Like, how can we identify or establish which cries, you know? Yeah. So that's a tricky one because every baby has a different cry. I would mm-hmm. say the biggest thing to look for those hunger cues. And we have this saying, when in doubt, whip it out. So if you're not sure, <laughs> try the breast. Um, but I always tell parents, look for those hunger cues. So a baby might start rooting, putting their hands in their mouth. If you like touch mm-hmm. their cheek, they might turn and try to like lick your finger or look for your finger. Those are signs when they are probably hungry. It's best to catch a baby when they're showing you those early signs because once they're crying and they're hangry like we get, it's hard <laughs> Yes, bring them in for a really good latch. Um, And so I would say follow your baby's cues. Babies go to the breast for a thousand or more reasons. And Mm -hmm. one of them is probably just to feed. So they go to the breast for comfort. They go to your body because you smell right. You feel right. That's the only home they have ever known. Um, And sometimes they just want to reconnect. We often like to tell parents at the center where I'm at that our babies are what we call carry mammals. Uh And so there are other mammals, um, like follow mammals, like elephants. So they know when they're born, they get up, they follow their parents mm-hmm. to their food, to their safety. Our babies are carry mammals like kangaroos. They know they need to be with us um, to connect with us. So when you put them down for that nap and they wake up like 10 minutes later, you're like, you can't be hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they just want to connect because that's actually their instinct because yeah. of the type of mammal that they are. All right. So I remember a few years back, I was watching this reality show and I remember, you know, moms, they went out to, you know, go party, you know, have a good time. Yeah. And they were like, they were drinking. And I remember, see, I forgot what show it was. I, that's, and it doesn't matter. But they were like pumping, you know, quote unquote, to get their alcohol out of their, 
breast milk. Is that even a thing? Is it a myth or is it real? Like yeah. if you have a glass of wine or one too many drink, should you wait? Should you pump? Then obviously discard that breast milk that's, you know, I guess we say wasting. Should that, is that even a thing? Like, you know, yeah, pump and discard that before you feed the baby because you, you're drunk or you drank two, three glasses of wine or whatever yes. alcohol drink you had. Please don't pour your milk down the drain. You work too hard for it. <laughs> so you do not need to pump and dump. Some parents will, um, if they know they're going out and they want to have a drink or two, they'll pump before and then just offer that milk to baby um, through a bottle. Or they might feed baby at the breast and they know like I have a two hour window. So I'm going to drink my wine as soon as I finish this um, feeding. And then some parents will just pump that milk that milk out and they'll save it. So they'll save it for like a milk bath or they'll save it for like baby skin. If they have some kind of rash or breaking out, we can always find a use for that breast milk. So please do not throw it out. You can still consume alcohol. So research shows that occasional use doesn't seem to be harmful. So occasional use would be like one to two drinks per week. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So now I want to ask about breastfeeding and formula because like <laughs> you, you, you mentioned these things and people just go crazy and oh, just that, you know, it's some like I've been seeing like some mom shaming sometimes. I do know people that exclusively breastfed, not until the child was two, three, you know, whatever right. age, you know, until she decided, he or she decided to stop. But then there are some moms that just prefer right out the gate, you know, no matter how many classes I take and what are the benefits I, I know, I only want to feed my child formula for you know busy mom probably don't even have time there's just so many different factors as to why some women choose not to breastfeed but again it's like mom shaming all you should we know the benefits of breastfeeding Mm -hmm. but what is your take i want to know about you know breastfeeding and formula versus formula or even a mixture because again everybody's at the capacity or have the time to breastfeed and formula maybe to go to for whatever reason so what are your thoughts on that Yeah, so I absolutely think formula has a place in um, our birthing space. And I always tell parents, like, these are the benefits of breastfeeding, but at the end of the day, this is your baby and your Uh journey. So however I can help you reach your goal, if it's exclusive breastfeeding, if it's a combination, we can talk about that too. I don't shame anyone who uses formula. Um, That was a part of my journey with my son. And there are times when it comes into play with breastfeeding parents. If mom isn't able to produce enough, then we need to look at other options. Like we may look at donor milk or they might choose formula. So I think as providers, we just need to remember that it's not about us and our own personal beliefs, even though we know how beneficial breastfeeding is. My goal is to help the parents figure out um, what their journey will look like and how I can support them. Right. And just try to make sure that baby's getting the nutrients that they right. need. At the end of the day, the baby, you know, is, is priority and people have their mm-hmm. reasons. Some some may try. and Because I think my mom, we stopped breastfeeding. I did at six months old because I just was not, you know, yeah. taking the breast. So now that I said that, though, I want to ask you a question. Let me hear your thought. How long should someone, how long do you think people, again, this can be controversial, <laughs> Should breastfeed because you know I've I've had friends or I've known you know people who are older aunts or whatever that they would breastfeed their child up until I think the oldest person I know was until they were six. Mm-hmm. And then I saw something in the media a few weeks ago where I don't know if you know you know Coco and Icy. Yeah, um, yeah, yes, And she was feeding the baby, the daughter who I think probably is six by now, and she was feeding, and people were like again. You know, judging her in a sense for right. doing that. When I'm like, you know, we know what's the benefit of breastfeeding. Yes, she can eat a um. 
piece of chicken on anything. Right. You know, so like, what, what are your thoughts like as to when one, again, we're not telling people how to raise their kids, but what do you think when you see kids, let's say five, six, still breastfeeding? Because you know, there's also a bond between right. mom and child too. We got to factor in that. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So if we just look at even what the recommendation is, right? So six months exclusively. And then once baby hits six months, continuing to breastfeed up to a year with adding like some complimentary food. Uh So I would say that first year, if you can't exclusively breastfeed your, um, your child, and then just know that it doesn't have to end at six months. It doesn't have to end when they turn a year, you can breastfeed beyond infancy. And I don't really like to call it, you know, like extended nursing or extended breastfeeding. It's just Uh breastfeeding. It's just breastfeeding um, beyond infancy. And it's really cultural. Like here in the U.S., if you say you're breastfeeding, your three-year-old people will look at you like, what? Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. are you breastfeeding that small like child? What's going on here? But if you look at other cultures, sure. they breastfeed to five or six. And I think they, they know the benefits. And sometimes they don't have other options, too, mm-hmm. yes. um, to kind of choose something else. So they're like, hey, the, the source of the food is here. And so I I tell parents, whatever you and your child agree to, whatever you feel comfortable with, just know that it's normal. It's totally fine. That is true. And I'm glad you said that because I, I, for some reason, that thought didn't come to mind when I asked that question. But some people, that's just all what they can do, you know, for, for their kids and it's breastfeeding. And we know the, benef- the benefits behind of that. So we shouldn't be out here. You know, this is minor business, you know, when we're out here as people, different parenting skills, we should mind our business. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about some myths as it relates to breastfeeding. I'm probably going to list about five, and then you can give me your thoughts on them. Okay. Breastfeeding is easy. The, one of the things that I'm always, oh, yeah, breastfeeding is easy. And then on one hand, you see some people say, oh, I'm struggling to breastfeed. And someone's like, how can, how can you struggle to breastfeed when you have a breast? So right. that's a myth. But what do you think about that? It's not easy, especially since you got to teach your clients. Right. So I think that's how most people got into lactation work because it was not easy. That's how I got here. Breastfeeding was hard and difficult. And I think also it's just we don't really have that realistic expectation of what it looks like because Mm. we see so much um, like on social media or even just out and about. You see a mom just chilling at the park with her drink, baby at the breast. And you're like, oh, that's easy. But you don't know how she got there. And so I think just realizing that every journey is going to be different. It will be hard in the beginning because you're trying to breastfeed, also recover. Um, but it gets easier as time goes on. Okay, another one. Another myth says, and I found this article, guys, on unicef.org. It says it's usual for breastfeeding to hurt. So sore nipples are inevitable. Mm. Yes. So I've heard moms say, oh, somebody told me my nipples just need to toughen up. I'm like, what? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) And we all know that pain is subjective. So everyone's tolerance of pain is going to be different. But breastfeeding shouldn't be this thing where you are in constant pain and you're cringing. There might be some tenderness, especially if it's your first child, your body's getting used to this and this sensation, but it should not be like a constant cringing pain. If that's happening, then you definitely need to come in and see someone. Right. Another one on the list, it says you should wash your nipples before breastfeeding. Now, this was not even a thought, you know. Well, are you, as I said, I'm just used to mom whipping it out and, hey, you hungry? Oh, here it is. So what are your thoughts on washing your nipples before you breastfeed your baby? You do not need to do that. So <laughs> breast milk is really robust. Um, it's full of good things. It's full of um, good things to promote, like 
healthy development. There's antibodies. You can even express breast milk if you have sore cracked nipples and rub a little bit of your breast milk on there. It promotes healing. So you do not need to clean your nipples. Again, you and your baby are communicating your baby, sending messages to your body. So if there's any infection or issue, um, your body's going to get that message to know to make antibodies to help promote healing. All right. You know, another myth on the list, it says exercise will affect the taste of your milk. Again, this one blew my mind. Like, what? Yeah. So the thing with that, if you exercise, the thing um, with taste is really due to like lactic acid. So Mm -hmm. if you exercise and then you go to feed your baby, they might be like, oh, this is a little little bit different. The taste is a little bit different, but it's not harmful to your baby. Mm -hmm. You can absolutely breastfeed um, after you work out. And this one, this one is big. I think we mentioned it a little bit earlier, but it says you won't be able to breastfeed unless you do it straight away. Again, everybody's breastfeeding journey is different. But for those who think, you know, if I don't get it on the first try in the first, let's say, few weeks of my baby being born, I won't be able to breastfeed again. And then they automatically give up. So shed some light on that because some people think, oh, yeah, I can't breastfeed within the first two weeks. Let me just give up. Yeah. So, of course, we definitely want to get baby to the breast as soon as possible. But if we can't, you can always come in and see someone. We can talk to you about things to do to kind of stimulate um, your breast tissue so we can get that factory open and producing milk. It might be a little bit harder as you get you know, further and further away from the experience of birth. But definitely come in and we'll see what we can do to get that you know, factory back open and producing milk. Okay, and the last one, it says, breast, you should not breastfeed while you're sick. No, I'm so glad you brought that one up. Please keep breastfeeding if you're sick. Please, that is the best thing you can actually do. Because whatever your body is doing to protect you, it will be in your milk and it will um, protect your baby too. So don't stop. Depending on what conditions you have, they might like prescribe certain medications to you. Uh-huh. So always follow up with your doctor or lactation consultant if you have questions about, like, is this safe for me to take and safe for baby? Well, Erica, thank you so much for this episode. You know, let everybody know where they can find you. You know, if you're accepting clients virtually, given the world that we're living in and some things, you know, it's just only normal that like, makes sense that you would have to be virtual. Let them know where they can find you. And, of course, guys, I'll put it in the show notes because, again, like I said, she's amazing. Like, if you follow on Instagram education 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 and like i said i tweeted something on twitter and she's not even on twitter and at least four <laughs> people replied to my tweet recommending her so that to me speaks volume you know and she's yeah. volume to you guys as to the kind of work that she does so tell us where we can find you and of course i put it in the show notes so people can click you know go to your website yeah so you can find me on instagram at live wealthy llc and so it's spelled live and the wealthy is spelled w-e-l-l-t-h-y so we want you well yes can be good too but i want your body well (laughs) um you can also find me at livewealthyllc.com and if you're in the phoenix area um i do in-person classes out in mesa i also do virtual classes too um, so I have a free pregnancy class for anyone who wants to attend that's virtual. And then you can also catch me at the Arizona Breastfeeding Center. Yes, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you again, Erica. I really enjoyed this because, you know, some of these myths, I was like, what in the world? You know, you hear things, but to actually see them on actual and actual reference of a website and people think these different things. So, guys, I hope you learned something from this episode. All in all, child education is important and definitely, you know, 
visit your lactation consultant so that you can be very much prepared for when that time comes. Yes. All right. 